Hey, Heat Rockers, we are in the final stretch of the Max Fun Drive where we ask you, our audience members, to support the show. And we know that times are tough for many of you and that you're being constantly asked to make sacrifices for the common good, including for some of you, extraordinary sacrifices of your time, health, and energy. At its best, we'd like to think that the Max Fund Drive is a demonstration of what all of us collectively can do when we come together, and that is something worth celebrating right now. We wanted to take this opportunity to come together as a community of tens of thousands of people who rely on each other to make some magical things happen in the world. Joining Max Fund is quick and easy. Visit MaximumFun.org slash join and you'll see all the different levels and the thank you gifts we can offer with each. You get all the great bonus content, which is now a pretty large library at just $5 per month. At $10 per month, you get to choose a cool enamel pin from your favorite show, which we know is Heat Rocks. And you'll have the option to purchase others with proceeds from additional pins going to charity. At $20 per month, you get the MaxFun Custom Game Pack with MaxFun Dice in a Velvet Bag. You need that with the Rocket logo and a deck of custom MaxFun playing cards with podcast-inspired designs. Check all of this out and more at MaximumFun.org slash join. Let's start the show. Hello, I'm Oliver Wong. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Every episode, we invite a guest to join us to talk about a heat rock, you know, an album that burns its way into our collective memory. And today we will be heading to the loneliest house on the block to <laughs> talk about the 1975 album, by the Philly soul group Blue Magic, 13 Blue Magic Lane. Need someone to talk to, guess I'm feeling kind of lost. Find myself just running away, chasing rainbows in the dark. And until the day the Spooky soul isn't an actual genre, but give Blue Magic some credit. They single-handedly try to speak the idea into existence on their third album, 13 Blue Magic Lane. With a haunted house on the cover and a group photo on the back shot in a cemetery, Blue Magic apparently wanted their music to <clears throat> haunt listeners. For fans of 70s soul, Blue Magic were already phantasmic, largely off the strength of their early hit Sideshow, and 13 Blue Magic Lane was a smart blend of the lush ballads that brought the group to fame, but also peppering it with disco-flavored dance tracks. All of it shimmered with classic Gamble and Huff era Philly soul production that buoyed the sugary sweet falsetto of lead singer Ted Mills and the rest of the group. 13 Blue Magic Lane wasn't a world beater. It didn't put Philly on the map, nor was it the group's biggest album, but it was a surprisingly ambitious concept LP, trying to thrill before thriller by sprinkling us with some of that good old magic of the blue. I owe this man a hug. Our guest today is from one of my favorite places in the world, my hometown, the Golden State, and from the same part of the same city of my favorite city, which is L.A. Mm -hmm. I owe this man a hug for his hybridization of sounds, his gift for blending genres but not being defined or confined by one particular sound. His sound is the sum of all its parts. His output contributes to L.A.'s reputation for eclecticism and sonic liberty. I owe this man a hug. 
It was a good day for me when I stumbled on his song, Wake Up, an even better day when I found a place for it on Dear White People Season 3. So I owe this man a hug. There is a lot of fire in his discography. I came to know him on a song called Psycho. How in the fuck we got here? Yeah. I've seen more rain than a deer. Yeah. You can make rain in the club, what? but you can't make your skies clear. What? And you said this was your year, but you let the devil interfere, projecting every figure. You say you never care, but all I see is can you let your ass show commando underwear that put it. The album was nowhere, and in the five years since, he's been doing it well, including a feature on a little movie called Spider Man Into the Spider Verse. The song started riots. I'm so glad to have him on the show, and pretty much, I owe this man a hug. Welcome to Heat Rocks. Duckworth. Good to be here. I feel like uh, um, Muhammad Ali, uh, uh, when he gets there, when they come out, they give the intro. <laughs> the greatest in the world, the man I could ever be. I'm like, damn. Oh, <laughs> I love man. It. What was your, we have to ask, what was your introduction to Blue Magic and, and this album in particular? Okay, so I've heard uh, um, a Sideshow. Oh, when I was little, but I, I didn't know who it was. Stand in line, get your tickets. I hope you will attain. It'll only cost you 50 cents to see. And then making this new album I'm about to drop in August, there is like this certain tone that only certain artists like really touch. It's like something that has to do with like it's synthesizers. It's like this shiny type of magical sound. And I know that Jackson or the Jacksons uh, did it. I know that uh, Stevie Wonder, sometimes Frank Ocean touches on it in certain places. Um, sure. But um, it's, it's just a magical sound. So I was just going on a hunt to find more people who uh, had this like wondrous, euphoric, childlike imagination sound, whatever. So. I stumbled across Blue Magic. I don't even know how, I don't even remember how I stumbled across them. But, uh, oh, I was on tour. That's what it was. I was on tour mm. and there was this uh, one cover that had these two dragons and um, I'm a dragon and my brother's a dragon. So we always like do like the little double like dragon thing. So I was like, oh, like, hey, dragons, look. Cause we call them dragons too. I was like, look, this is an album with two dragons. And I played it and it was Blue Magic and it, it was magic. It was insane. It was like insane. So then I started going to their discography and I found uh, uh, 13 uh, Blue Magic Lane. I liked it because it reminded me of that like creepy, dark feeling of Thriller. Yeah, yeah. That, that's what it reminded me of. Uh, it reminds me of Halloween, like, but just soulful and, and magical. I love that album so much. My, my introduction to Blue Magic was the same through Sideshow. That was uh, one of my dad's favorite cuts. Mm -hmm. And I want, want to shout him out because he could hit those high notes. Um, and he used to bump, bump this in, in, in the car. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I, I love Blue Magic. And uh, that was my introduction. We just taped an episode about uh, Outkast Equemini. And on that episode, oh. I was remarking about how third albums for artists tend to be like the middle children of discographies because they rarely get as much attention compared to, let's say, debut albums or sophomore albums. Mm -hmm. And by coincidence, here we are again with another third album. So why 13 Blue Magic Lane? Because you know their first debut album was their big kind of hit album was what put them on the map. Um, but here we are with their third album. What is it about this LP that, that that's a heat rock for you? Off top, uh, the one is goes, I'm haunted by your love. Never felt this way before. 
I'm haunted by your love. Like, that, bro, like, that is insane. And it's like the whole album is thing off of creepy shit. It's so tight. It, it feels like I said. It feels like Thriller to me. It feels like um. It feels like when you listen to Off the Wall, the actual song Off the Wall, and it's like ghouls mm-hmm. that's in the beginning of the song, like <laughs> like Halloween music. Halloween's my favorite season or my favorite holiday. But mm-hmm. it's it's just that I don't know. It's something very like adolescent and, and imaginative and, and magical. And it, and it slept because nobody. First of all, a lot of people don't even know. Like my generation don't know about Blue Magic. You know, they probably heard Sideshow. From their aunties right. and something like that, um, but I mean, let alone like they just discography. Like a lot of people just do not know. And, I mean, but you gotta dig. Sometimes the magic is like underground, so you gotta go. You gotta dig hard. It's funny because besides being a DJ, I collect records, and so Blue Magic LPs are you know, they sold well enough. Is that if you're going through the B section, you know, in a record store, mm-hmm. you're almost guaranteed to see at least one of their albums uh, yeah. pop up. Yeah. But I realized yeah. in prepping for today. I have never bought a Blue Magic LP in my life. And we can get into this a little bit later, but I think it's something about this era of Philly soul as distinctive and as signature as it is. I just, it never really, I never really gelled with it. And so it, 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 it occurred to me that I kind of missed out on this whole wave of mid 70s soul, soul LPs mm-hmm. that all have this really rich production to it. And somehow I managed to sleep on this for. 25 plus years <laughs> since I've been collecting so LLP. Yeah. So I'm, I'm really thankful that you picked this because it gave me an excuse to go back to something that I probably should have been listening to mm-hmm. uh, all along in some ways. Yeah. I mean, the scary thought is you can have like flames, you can have straight fire ass music. And it's like 20 years down the road, nobody will remember your name. Don't even remember not but one thing. And, and, and that's a scary thought, especially being an artist, you know, we in this rap race. Yeah. And it's like now music is like, the threshold's gone. So like it's so it's it's like a flood of so many different um artists. It's just like how do you actually stand up? Not only just now, but twenty right. years later, you know? Because once again, we're hearing the album like thirteen, uh, Blue Magic Lane, and it's like fire. Or just blue magic in general. And not enough people know yeah. them, know the magic that they've created. So wow. yeah. We we're, we're already getting so existential about this. Yeah. What does it come on? What does it mean to have longevity in you know this current moment? But anyways, Morgan, you had something you want to ask. Well, I just wanted to take it a little bit more existential because I have to come shout on. out. I have to shout out Blue Magic Hair Conditioner, which is also ah! um, had a very long run. You know what I'm saying? It still stood the test of time. One so time. there's so, there's there's something magic about Blue Magic, both the conditioning oil, precious to the black community, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. Blue Magic, the group. So. It's mm-hmm. all this. It, it, it's what's in your product. You know what I mean. And for this album, it has it stands up just like the hair conditioner. <laughs> I just want to shout out. I just want to shout out that product. Um, One time. We generally ask this later in the episode, but I'm going to mm-hmm. ask it now. Um, complete this sentence for me. Thirteen Blue Magic is for people who. I'm about to say like to get high, but um, <laughs> that's cool. No, that's cool. That's cool. Thirteen. This happened with. I'm sure this album would sound great under the influence. I think that's what it is for them. Like they know that's what they call themselves blue magic. Like even in like the first 30 seconds that you play of a side show, like you heard that xylophone, boo doo doo, step right up. Like, bro, if I if I was on some dank, like if if man, I 
give me on like some shrooms or something like that. And I'm there. This is it for you? Darcy's Blue Magic Lane is it? Darcy's Blue Magic Lane. See, okay, but if I'm on shrooms, I may not listen to Blue Magic Lane because it could take me to a a darker place. Yeah. Yeah. It's a little creepy. It's a little creepy. Yeah. All these songs that we're talking about and the sounds are so much, as I was alluding to a little bit earlier, it's about the sound of what Philadelphia soul was like in the mid 1970s. Mm-hmm. And there's a pretty, I think a well-known quote from Fred Wesley who described this particular, the sound of Philly soul, right? So we're talking gavel and huff by this time mm-hmm. that we're in the mid seventies. This is, you know, post um, MFSB and their big hit from 74 TSOP. And what he described that the kind of that, blend of lush orchestration and hyper-polished production, which you definitely hear on this LP. Mm-hmm. Fred Wesley described it as, quote, putting the bow tie on funk, unquote, mm. which I thought was such a great way of describing mm. what Philly soul sounded like in this moment, because it is soulful. It's it's certainly funky, but there's a, there's a classy elegance. It's grown in a way, and I can't really articulate exactly what's going on musically that conveys that, but in the same way that you think about Blue Magic in the same era, you got what the stylistics, the Delphonics. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, if we if we leave Philly and go a little bit up towards New Jersey, New York, you would get into the Moments um, and you know groups that were on all platinum, and they all had that kind of tri-state, that bow tie soul sound. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, mm-hmm. super super grown. And when your groups are named stuff like Double Exposure, you know what I'm saying? Ecstasy, Passion, and Pain. Uh- <laughs> You know what I'm saying? The people's choice. Instant funk. You know what I'm saying? Instant. The intruders. Grown titled band names. That's it, period. Not just Wait. the sound, but the but the name of the bands. The Tramps. Come on, the Three Degrees. The Soul Survivors. All that stuff is grown sound and music. That's grown crazy. Folks. I've never heard of the band Instant Funk. That's just even yeah. thinking about that. Like, just like you didn't even waste time with the funk. Like you just you just go straight into it. Instant. Like you come yep. like you it's it just like you at a function and, and somebody just like popping the dough and it's like instantly turned up. It just like instant funk. Like, come on, that's that's an amazing But name. imagine uh, imagine being the MC that has to introduce ecstasy, passion, and pain. Like what's your cover art looking like? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> that that's that's some intense we I hope so I hope someone wants to talk about that that day. But, ecstasy, passion, uh, but yeah, and pain. That's it. But to but to Oliver's point, which is which is well taken, it is a grown sound. Mm-hmm. Definitely, it is. It, it is Philly Soul's grown for grown folks. Mm-hmm. You know, all those groups that Oliver mentioned and I mentioned, and, and there's others including, just in that sound, b- bands like the Dramatics and the Delphonics, I heard that music a lot in the neighborhood. Mm. I grew up in South Central also, so mm. I'm from here also. Mm. So a lot of these, you know, were considered oldies that I heard, you know, with brothers driving down the streets mm-hmm. and cars that was just part of the sound of the neighborhood. It, it, you know, everything else, I heard a lot of stuff, but this was a staple in the neighborhood. Definitely. I'm just cu- I'm just curious about what was the sound of your neighborhood. What what type of music did you hear getting bumped the most, or did you hear some of this coming up? I heard it. I heard it. It was a mix. It was a mix. I would hear definitely like uh, I've definitely heard Blue Magic, Delphonics, Temptations, 
um, um, OJs, a lot of OJs for sure. Um, yeah. I, every so once in a while, you hear some funk, like you hear like some Boosie Collins, like. But that was like if you was like Boosie Collins was like more alleyway music. Like if I was on the main street or something like that, that's more so like the OJs. But like if you going down an alleyway, <laughs> that's when you hear the funk, you hear the Boosie, and you hear like the uh, uh Parliament. Yeah, Parliament. Yeah, Parliament. Parliament uh, uh, what's the other one? I forgot his name. But uh, yeah, so but that was mixed in with G funk. Uh, so then we were hearing like Mac Ten. We was hearing like two one three, like Course New Dog, uh, DJ Quick, uh, uh, Nate Dog, and yeah. in some ways it kind of scared me because it was we was always afraid it's gonna be a drive by, and for some reason like it was just if you seen an old school car like an old Cadillac and it was bumping some like Mac Ten, it's just like oh somebody about to get shot. So it was very triggering <laughs> for a good long moment in my life. That's how the yeah. music was, but I like I, yeah. I adjusted to it older when I got older. <laughs> But it was crazy though. I love that distinction between mainstream music and the alleyway music. Oh yeah, you're going to hear a different soundtrack just based on like the the type of street you're on. I mean, it makes sense, but I just I just love thinking about that kind of metaphor. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. I, I do. I do. I, I don't remember, quite frankly, hearing like funk, funk on the main street like ever. But that's what it is. Like funk to me is punk in that way where it was it was a derivative of like soul, you know, but just dirtier, just dirtier. That's yeah. there. <laughs> We've been talking about the the sound and the production of this album in a Blue Magic and a Philly Soul. Let's get into some of the singing because Ted Mills, who was you know lead singer for Blue Magic, I wonder where does he rank for y'all amongst the great falsetto soul singers? Mm. And I mean, that is a murderer's row of of people that you can talk about. You got Russell Tompkins Jr. of the Stylistics. Mm. You got William Hart of the Delphonics. You got Eddie Holman. And I, I'm just talking about people out of Philly, let alone Detroit, Chicago, New York, LA, you know, wherever else. I mean, Mills, as you could hear on this album, as you could certainly hear on Sideshow, as, as we heard earlier, I mean, he had that high falsetto voice down to a T. Yeah, he mm. did. He did. And for me, he ranks. He ranks up there. You know, my favorites, though, would be I know what you're um, gonna say. Sy- Sy- Sylvester. Uh-huh. Uh Philip Bailey. Philip Bailey. I knew Philip oh. Bailey. You gotta Phillip be. Bailey gotta Bailey. be. That's Hall of Fame, first ballot. Yeah, uh, no question. You know, no he's, question. Get, he's getting the gold jacket. Curtis Mayfield, uh, mm. Eddie Kendricks. Mm-hmm. And, I, and, and other contemporary news, okay, I'd have to put in I have to go with D'Angelo, uh Rasan Patterson. That that's that would be me. And actually, oh, uh, uh oh. Duckworth was nice on Nobody Falls. I, I heard you. Ah! I heard your falsetto up in there. <laughs> you you were nice on Nobody Falls. I appreciate so yeah. that. My little rusty falsetto. Hey man, it wasn't rusty that day. It was that's, it my, that's that my alleyway. That's my alleyway falsetto. Is it? Okay. <laughs> All right. True, true. Hey, I can be your bread and butter, sugar daddy, undercover, secret Santa, hidden love and love because we don't love each other. I'm a fan of non commitment last relationship. Had me feeling like a I will say, come from Blue Magic, his was his falsetto was creamy. I think that was the difference for me. Like his, yeah. was, it was smooth. Like with falsetto, sometimes they can get sharp. It's a higher note, but it's like yeah. he was able to control it that it still felt round at the top. Like it, it right. was, I don't know, it was crazy. I loved it. I like a singer named Daryl Coley, right? Daryl, Daryl, you like Daryl Coley? Uh, come on, I was raised in the church. So I don't know about some Daryl Coley. 
He had a million so, false set up. Yo. Because they're only taking those who've been lost. What else do Well, I will say, if you want to talk about a, a falsetto competition, I feel that Karen Clark Shears could probably win that. It okay. Strength because she held okay. it. She held her falsetto for twenty six seconds on Jesus a love song. Like just did she? Yeah, she did. I counted it. <laughs> Yo. Counted. Whole body singing. Whole I'm body sorry, singing. We, we we digressed on, on on here, Oliver, but you know we had to go there. I'm charging. No, I love I love this tangent because I would love to pick both of your brains as someone who did not grow up in the church, mm. and if I did, it probably was not one where it's going to be people singing falsetto. At least not not amongst my people. But my question here is, what is the role of the falsetto voice within church singing? In other words, how does it get deployed? Mm. Why is it a choice that singers make in terms of what is it meant to evoke? Mm. Mm. That's a good question. And I think it, it, I'll just jump in a little bit here. Sometimes it is it is that you are taken there over the journey of the song. So sometimes mm. the falsetto is the end point, right? Sometimes in the mm. case of Karen Clark Sheard and other singers, right? Mm. You just have that in your pocket. So that's a starting point. But I've heard, and there are men that have that falsetto that they start off that way. And then the surprise is that they've got this lower register that you weren't even looking for. Mm. But I do think it, it, it represents in some, in some scenarios, the tipping point of praise or the tipping point of worship. You have sang all the way through and the emotion takes you to the falsetto. Right. Mm What I think it is, is like, if you, even if you look at like chakras, you know, like what the, the crown is like the closest to divinity, that's when you get to like divinity. And I think that frequency is, is reflective of the crown of like the highest, you know, that's sure. a, it's a high frequency. Mm-hmm. So it, it takes you. It's kind of like, um, I mean, but I don't know. I feel, I feel with, with either with like a, a, a baritone voice or even with like bass, it like hits you in like a lower place. So it is, it's, it's convicting. It's just like, oh, but yeah. then it's just like, I, I haven't really cried from hearing bass. I haven't really cried from hearing the baritone. But yeah. like, if, if if somebody hit me with that correct high frequency, I'm gonna shed a tear. Yeah, yep. I'm gonna for sure shed a tear. Right. Yep. And I think it makes sense how so many soul singers, specifically on ballads, break out the falsetto. I mean, I'm sure there's probably some up tempo funk songs that have a falsetto going with it. But really, it's a sound that you associate with people. We're getting into that that sweetness, right? The sweet soul, That's the it. ballads. And of course, I mean, Blue Magic, basically, even though they did more mid-tempo, up-tempo, uh, more disco-era stuff, I mean, really what they're known for are the slow jams. Yeah. And that's when, you know, Ted Mills is, is pulling out that falsetto that just get that sweetness going with it, right? Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sweetness is the correct word. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and I think an elegance, too, because in that type of falsetto, mm. when you hear that type of falsetto, even if you don't know 
the band, you just have to assume, okay, it's pro- probably going to be four brothers. Everyone's going to have on suits. They're going to be real. You know, everyone's <laughs> going to be fresh. It conjures up <laughs> images. That falsetto con- conjures up images, uh, elegant images of, of, right. of the 60s mm. and 70s. So. Mm. Chore- choreographed moves when they're on That's stage. It. Everything's in sync, you know. <laughs> That's it. That's it. Right. It's the ele- it, go- it goes back to the elegance, right? It's classy. That's right? it. And the sound of it. And also, as you're pointing out, Morgan, the visual accompaniment that we mm-hmm. associate, especially with Philly Soul mm-hmm. and of just 70 soul in general. That's it. Right? That's we can it. call it uh, audio decadence. That, that's what I call. Okay, okay, that's what I call all right. Magic is audio decadence. You have to, you have to put your pinky up when you listen to these tracks. You uh, gotta, hey, <laughs> you gotta put your pinky up. That's right. it. <laughs> Straight up, bro. audio decadence. That's Cream. it. Pinky soul. Okay, it's pinky that's soul. It. Pinky up soul, baby. <laughs> that's Yo. Duckworth, that's, that's your next mixtape title right there. You just, Audio you just came up with it right there. No, no, Pinky Soul. Pinky Soul. Pinky Soul out Only here. Only thing is, some people may think of it as uh, Next Friday, and they may think of it as Pinky that's in Next Friday that with the Jerry Curl in the pink suit. <laughs> Now, I don't know if I want to see, <laughs> but you gotta your, your fits gotta be so correct on the cover. You know yeah. what I'm saying? And you gotta have right. your tea or whatever you're gonna be drinking so that people know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I gotta look. I'm like, like, I'm like caught off guard. Like, oh, I didn't see you there. Thank you. Up. you gotta be, <laughs> it's gotta be one of those type situations. It's gotta be one of them. We will be back with more of our conversation with Duckworth about 13 Blue Magic Lane after a brief word from some of our sibling Max Fun podcasts. Keep it locked. It's the Max Fun Drive, folks, and we are so lucky to have this podcast as an outlet for us, for our creative expression, for a way to connect with one another, and a way to connect with you all. We feel like this show hopefully helps our larger community by at least providing some sonic companionship and much needed diversion for these times. How you join and how you upgrade is going to be a big way in which we are enabled to keep doing what we do, which is to make this podcast that hopefully you get something out of. Membership at MaxFun starts at $5 a month. That gets you all the bonus content. You'll be able to access that as long as you're a member, and there's a whole lot of it already waiting for you right now. If you choose to join at $10 a month, You'll get a MaxFun membership card, a cool pin, and you also get the bonus content. And if you join at $20 a month or more, you get this year's special gift, a MaxFun game pack featuring a custom dice set and custom deck of playing cards, all with MaxFun designs. Just visit MaximumFun.org join to become a member. You can get a subscription for a friend for a year so that both of you can enjoy the bonus content and swag. But you can also gift a subscription to someone that maybe you've never met before, as we do have former members who've had to cancel their membership this year because of COVID. Purchasing a subscription for them would be paying the bonus content and max fund gifts forward to someone who could use a little extra cheer. Just check the anonymous Max Funster box when filling out the online form at MaximumFun.org slash join. We want to give a huge thanks to all of our members who've made it possible for us to keep doing this through all this time. Because of you, we've been able to adapt to remote production, and we can't thank you enough for that. If you're ready to become a member to help support the show, visit MaximumFun.org join. Let's get back into the show. 
Yo, and we're back on Heat Rocks talking about Blue Magic's 1975 album, 13 Blue Magic Lane, with our guest, Duckworth. If I may take us on a little bit of a tangent, uh, Duckworth, in interviews, you you oftentimes talk about the importance of your mother uh, who raised you and the fact that you were raised specifically in the Pentecostal tradition mm-hmm. and that secular music, pop music, wasn't always something that you had easy access to. Mm-hmm. And whether you knew it or not, this is actually a very common theme on our show because Morgan, uh, as someone who grew up uh, also with a very churchy mom, had to be very careful about which records she could bring home. Some of the stuff could make it past the threshold. Other stuff didn't. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering, Duckworth, in your household, what was the cutting line? Like, What were the records that just barely made it over? And the, what were the ones that just you, you knew you couldn't bring home? Mm-hmm. And importantly, where does Prince fall in terms of that line? Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. All right. Tight. So- and it's maybe more my dad's effort. My mom is more the conservative one. My dad was uh, listening to Bob Marley and secretly smoking, uh, you know, saying in his uh, cream Mercedes when, you know, mom wasn't around type Bob, you feel me? But uh, <laughs> I remember going into the living room. Exa- no, and he really has a cream Mercedes. This may be, all right, I'm going to tell you real quick. So I was on Google Maps one time and uh, my dad used to like park his car two blocks from my house. So this is like back in the day, maybe like 10 years ago. So I was looking, uh, I was going past my street and I kept going forward on Google Maps and Google Maps caught my dad in his cream Mercedes. He has a cream on the inside and cream on the outside. <laughs> and he has a Jerry Curl and his name is Jerry and he was spraying his Jerry Curl. And it's always captured on Google Maps. It was the <laughs> best day of my life. I swear. I swear. Oh, it was amazing. <laughs> <laughs> very real very real story but anyway <laughs> shout out to your dad shout out to your shout out to your dad right now. yo he's something else man he's something else i can tell y'all stories for days about that man but um so i remember going into the living room and i'll check out the vinyls and the ones that slipped through was earth wind and fire uh i think it's an album uh i don't know if it's all in one or all in all all in all thank you all in all it was um stevie wonder um, uh, I don't know if it was, uh, uh, um, Inner Visions, um, mm-hmm. which by the way, that title just clicked to me like two weeks ago. I was just like, oh shit. Cause like he's blind. So Inner Visions <laughs> that it never hit me like for years. I'm like, oh, okay. I'm not sure I even thought about it until now right? either. So there you go. Boom. Inner vi- Cause he, you know, he doesn't particularly have like a vision, <laughs> but it's like an inner vision, which we, yeah, yeah, that's different. But, um, what else got through? I think Whitney, Whitney got through for sure. Um, yeah. It was all like the the stuff that was like you can like have a, a clean album, you know, like you wouldn't have a, a right. specifically a parental advisory on it. None of the nasty stuff. Like it wasn't like like cameo, you know, saying a lot of like Charlie Wilson, like Gap Band and nothing like that. <laughs> it was like all the nicer music. That was the stuff that slid. And then it was really my sister was the one that was uh, smuggling music in and stuff because she was smuggling like Erica Badu, The Roots, Common, Jill Scott, uh, Outkast. Um, all in, like, oh, and then, uh, and then, um, D'Angelo and D'Angelo, yeah, he was like my introduction to like nasty, uh, uh, freaky R and B. And I remember, um, I remember seeing the, uh, <laughs> I remember seeing the music video it's for uh, Untitled. For Untitled, and I didn't expect it. I was like, okay, cool, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's my introduction to R and B in this way. And then, like, the camera keep going down. I'm just like, oh, 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 oh. <laughs> <laughs>
And so then I, I was off of it for a little bit, but then uh, I finally listened to the album and I was like, oh, okay, this makes sense. This is insane. Now, I don't know if that was Brown Sugar or if that was uh, the one after it. Oh, Voodoo. Voodoo. It was Voodoo. It was Voodoo. Yeah. Oof. Since we're talking about churchiness, I just have to say from this album, uh, I think Stop and Get a Hold of Yourself is one of the churchiest songs on here. It's definitely got gospel elements. I love a change up. I mm. love a change up. So they got a real, real change in tempo that sounds to me a lot like a specific era in gospel. And that's like 70s funk gospel. So I just want uh-huh. Christian to play a little bit of it so you can see what I'm talking about, Dr. Yes, yes. Only then will you find a real love here to bring you oh, stop get a hold of yourself. Check love out. It's all right. <laughs> then it got real funky. So it d- does have a lot of that little seventies funk gospel yeah. um, that I like about it, and it's got and it's got a message. Mm-hmm. And of course, we we can't come away from the, the, any conversation about Blue Magic without talking about Margie Joseph, right? And uh, and and her singing on this on this album, and she ended up being a gospel singer. So she she you know she came to prominence with her song with her song with Blue Magic, but now she sings gospel music. So I just wanted to shout her out. Crazy. So there are. Church-esques mm-hmm. on this album. It's not a, it's a secular music, but there's always mm-hmm. when there's black folks. Uh, there's going to be a little bit of churchy. But it makes sense because that's where you that's where you advance your musicianship. It's just like you like after church, like three o'clock, you know, and you just playing on the drums, playing on the keys. Y'all just like you know they let you like stay there for a bit and just like you know fiddle with the instruments. And yeah. I, a lot of us learn how to play music or or, or sing. Or, you know, a little bit about composition, whatever it may be, through church. And, like, I, especially them in, like, the 60s and 70s, because church was, like, a a, a main, uh, it was a, a spinal cord to the black experience. <laughs> especially For sure. in times, you know what I'm saying? So, For sure. It makes sense. If you're starting out and you want an audience, I mean, the church provides you with a built-in, you know, captured audience. Oh, this is true. You get to play to. And so you can, that's a way, it's both of you been talking about, it's a way that you can practice your chops, kind of sneak some stuff in. That's true. And then see what the, see what the response is like. I, I mean, again, I didn't grow up in the church, but I could imagine the appeal of having that because, I mean, especially if you're on the younger end, you know, it's not like venues, I mean, especially in a lot of neighborhoods, venues just don't exist. Right. And so school, you know, school uh, music programs have been slashed. And so the church remains as like a, like a, a quasi venue is a space in which you can get your performance on and then you know, try these little things out. For sure. For Facts. sure. Facts. Yeah. So bringing this back to Blue Magic and 13 Blue Magic Lane, uh, Duckworth, what is your fire track off of this album? Mm. What, what's a song to just get you hyped even now when you mm-hmm. hear it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's either going to be Chasing Rainbows or, uh, or, oh. or, uh, or it's, it, okay, hmm. But then I like you is is crazy. Oh, mm. it, it has like that disco type of flair, and then they yeah. and they whisper, "I like you." Like that, that yes. it's a, I like you. Like it, I love when you can whisper on a song. Besides, like uh uh uh, uh what you call it, um, Yin Yang Twins. <laughs> I like when you can whisper on a song. But it, beyond that, the chord progressions on that song. It, it's, it's beautiful. The sense that they use is it's once oh, again, yeah. it's once again creamy. It's creamy, but I, I like you. I like you is amazing on there. Please 
But uh, even on a slower uh, ballad or a slower song, um, uh, Chasing Rainbows. Oh, yeah. It's, it's fire. Ooh, chasing Rainbows, flying in the sky. I Like You was my fire track. I like you. And I like you. It's crazy. I think for very similar reasons to what you're talking about. You know, for one, it's it has this really nice mid-tempo crossover soul feel to mm-hmm. it. And it's not the it's certainly not the flashiest song on here, either musically or vocally, mm-hmm. but it's the one that for whatever reason I just found most appealing. And I think partly for me is that the arrangement reminded me ever so slightly of the 1960s hit Stormy by Classics 4, mm, which is mm. just a, one of my favorite 60s songs. And mm. I, don't, I think it's just a coincidence, but both songs kind of have that same groove and feel to it, which I can never get enough of. Mm. But I call you Stormy today And I, I love that you brought up the whisper thing because to me, I mean, the thing about this album, is, as I was saying in the, in the first half of the show, is that there's so much on here that just is so signature mid-70s. Mm-hmm. And sometimes we describe albums as being timeless. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to disrespect this album at all when I say, I don't think of this album as timeless because to me, it is so, it marks this very particular moment. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I was born in 72. So I was born the year that Blue Magic formed. Mm-hmm. And so even though I didn't listen to this group at, you know, age three, but I know what the music of that first decade of my my existence sounded like. Mm-hmm. And so hearing this stuff and, and specifically that whisper thing that <laughs> you just associate with disco and soul records of that time, mm-hmm. it just was like that Proustian, you know, mandolin where it just took me back yeah. to just growing up in the seventies and yeah, listening to people whisper on song, like bring back the whisper. I mean, Morgan's always talking yeah. about, you've got, we got to bring back voicemails. We got to bring <laughs> back answering machine yep, skits. interludes. Yep. We got to bring back, we got to bring back whispering on, on tracks. Duckworth. Duckworth, you got you got to make this happen. You're the one recording artist of the three here. So you, you got to do, you got to bring back the whisper. Well, man. I will say the album I'm about to drop has two skits on it. Actually. Like, yes. very, yeah, yeah, it has two skits on it. So, I mean, I'm definitely going to be on the skit lane. <laughs> and then, like, no, nah, we haven't. We tried a whisper moment. It didn't work out on this album. But I'm going to keep trying to whisper. So I think it's a really tight texture, you know? Um, uh, to be able to, like, you can hit any range, but if you can go up, down, middle, and you can whisper, and it's still, like, it still translates, you know what I'm saying? That's a great moment. That's a great moment. But I didn't I'm, I'm, I'm going to hold you to that. I'm going to be looking for that on the next album. It's definitely going to be some whispering. Okay. There you go. Mm-hmm. I was gonna Morgan. say, I was yeah. gonna say to you, um, Oliver, that the song uh, "I Like You" sounds to me a lot like the the groove and the beat of it sounds a lot like the Intruders. Uh, I'll always love my mama. It's sort mm. of the same. It's got the same sort of sort of bounce. Makes and- sense. Um, my favorite song, my fire track is Born on Halloween. Uh, that oh. does it for me. Born on mm-hmm. Halloween, the best way for me to describe it is it's thick. It's got mm. a lot of moving parts from the beginning 
Mm. You know, like Duckworth said, it is like thriller. You got a howl going on, which intrigues you. And you're like, wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's going on? He starts off talking about, you know, she's a Scorpio. And I'm like, okay, wait a minute. I know Scorpios. Come on. I know some Scorpios. Right? So I know what you mean. You know, uh, the drama Mm. starts off. And it's on brand considering the cover art. Because let's not get away Mm -hmm. from it. There's no brothers on the cover. It's a haunted, spooky house in the back. And it's mm-hmm. it, and it's it's a track called Born on Halloween. I thought, exactly. I mean, as a, as a music supervisor, I'd love to sync this. I don't know where I'd put it, yeah. but, I'd lo- but I'd love to put it somewhere. And just somewhere. The, these lyrics took me out. You were born on Halloween, a queen of witchcraft. Um, October mm-hmm. 31st must have put a curse on me. Fell in love with you, then away you flew without me. That multi-part harmony they just did. Come on. Come on. I mean, this is so good. And it's worth noting that 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 track was also sampled by Dalit Peoples on uh, Right Mm. and Exact. And I really like what they did at the beginning of it. And and Christian, if you could just play just a little bit of the the beginning so you can just hear the sample. Mm. I like that, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I haven't heard that before. That's fire. Yeah. I mean, if you want to find some crazy progressions, all you got to do is just go crate digging. That's why for so long, that was the thing. It was just sample, ah, sample on hip hop. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because they were just locked in. Like, we didn't even have, like, it's not because we're not classically trained, but it's just not the same ears, yo. And it's like those progressions, yo. And they call it, like, musical when you like want to try some different progressions or you want to go from a major to a minor chord or if you want to throw a bridge in there but it's just like this is this is classical music like you can play you can still slap michael you can still slap prince you can still slap so many of these different uh artists and albums and stuff like in the future like yeah. in 2155 you know what I'm saying it, it's just because it's, it, it feel good yep. it feel good and i think there's something about classical music and class, classical composition that it, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I feel what you're saying, though. I feel you. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Yeah. And but we're talking not. a lot about all the different change-ups on this album. And in terms oh, yeah. of favorite moments on this LP, I think for a lot of us, it, sound, it, it sounds like it's it, it's where you have these change-ups and shifts in the track. Yeah. I know for me, my favorite moment in the LP, on the uh, LP was on uh, We're on the Right Track, which is another like very like mid-70s, uh, you know, early disco kind of track. And it comes really during the bridge in the electric piano solo midway through the song. Good. I love a good piano solo. Mm-hmm. I especially love a good electric piano solo. Mm-hmm. And I wish they had credited who played what on that song because there's four different keyboardists on the album. Mm. I don't know if that's Mills. 
Mm. I want to say maybe it's Dexter Wanzell because I'm a, I associate Wanzell with playing the electric piano. But mm. whoever's doing it, I mean, they give they give the the keyboardist a full ninety seconds to kind of work their solo out. Yeah. And as I was saying before, there's just something about that bridge which just takes me back to my early childhood because it just has that that mid '70s sound. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. my favorite moment. Morgan, how about you? Man, I love that part. And I actually was going to pick that. I love that 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 song, and I love that change up. But since I love a change up. My pick would have to be the pillow talk, the the dialogue slash parlay slash whisper slash banter that comes on the end of what's come over me. I mean, my God, he gets into some some real spit, spitting game at low decibels. <laughs> you, see, you see, I must have gone through some changes when I kissed you. My mind just keeps on wondering, and you only left me yesterday. I've never been to heaven. Instead, I spent the night with you. Maybe that's the reason I don't know what to do. Okay, so he compared heaven to uh, spending the night with Shorty. Okay, that makes sense. That makes sense. That makes sense. So yeah, they need to bring this back on records as well. This this does remind me a lot of uh, of Rick James on Fire and Desire. You know, I think back to when we met, the way I used to be and the cold way I used to act. But more than that, I think of how you changed me with your love and sensitivity. Remember when I used to. That's crazy. He said, your love and sensitivity changed me. (laughs) That's fine. (laughs) <laughs> that's fine so I love that part of the track because there's nothing there. The, I love that part of the song because there's nothing else on the album like this and I just love mm-hmm. that it comes towards the end of the album because I wasn't expecting that so in addition mm-hmm. to bringing back skits and interludes bring back this pillow talk bring back the whispering and the pillow talk to songs period mm-hmm. Duckworth do you have any favorite moments off of this LP I mean y'all pretty much just y'all reminded me of all of them I haven't listened to this album in like probably like two months, but mm. there is this one moment, but it's not on the audio side. It's more on the um, visual side. If you look at the album uh, on the right side of this like creepy haunted house, uh, mind you, it's nighttime. It's a rainbow. Mm. It's an actual rainbow on the right side of the house going into these trees. Ah. And yeah, it's, I'm looking I mean, at the cover right now. I didn't, I didn't even notice. It's that. a rainbow. You know what I'm saying? And then what? The second song is called Chasing Rainbows. Chasing Rainbows. So, I mean, like, it's a, it, it could be a hint to, you know, the narrative of the album. Like, but, but maybe that's what it is, too. Maybe maybe the whole story is just, like, he was um, chasing this, I guess. Uh, I'm looking lady, at it, too. Lady, wow. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? And it's just, like, and she presented herself in such this wondrous way. And it's just like, oh, man, like, she's it's beautiful, like a rainbow and stuff. And then he, the whole time, he didn't know that, like, she was, like, casting a spell on him. You know what I'm saying? With her love and her sensitivity. And you know what I'm saying? <laughs> <laughs> and he just like, and by, he, he kind of realized it like, damn, like, I got, uh, you know what I'm saying? I'm enchanted by her love. It's, it's actually a rainbow, ain't it? That's crazy. Yeah. I, I, mm-hmm. I, didn't, I just didn't see it. Mm-hmm. It's there. Nighttime so, rainbow. For folks who are checking out this episode when it, when it airs, um, go to discogs.com, look up this album and look at the cover art because I realized I didn't even look at the back of the LP they are standing in a cemetery, which Come and they're on. all smiling. So it's not that spooky. And there's even two people dressed as ghosts in the background, which just makes it a little bit cheesy. But 
I mean, they mm-hmm. really, I don't know if this was meant to be, I mean, I kind of feel like it is a bit of a concept album because you have it the is. visual yeah. themes, you have the, 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 the uh, musical themes that we're talking about. And they kind of went the full distance. I mean, they, they shot, they did their, their press photo in a cemetery just to kind of accent that point. So That's crazy. See, I didn't even know that. Wow. Wow. I don't know why they had to have the ghosts in there. That They should have just yeah, left that out. But I they didn't see that. that a little better. Oh, and, and, and Cub with the uh, with the cream suit has a skull uh, mug and stuff. There you go. There you Man, go. this is this is this is one of my top albums. Like, this is definitely one of my top albums. The further that we go into it, and like just what y'all playing, it just reminded me because every moment, yeah. My my manager said this. You know, you have a good song when you can go to any uh, uh second or like five seconds or ten seconds of a song, and it's just like amazing. No matter yeah. what part of the song you go to, yeah. And it's just like y'all just picking like random moments. You, yeah. you can like sneeze and land at like five forty five, and it's still funky. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's crazy. And then it's a concept album. They give me all these little sneaky little hints. Easter eggs, and then on the back of it, they all in these suits at the cemetery with the two goats holding down. Yeah. <laughs> so much to me. Now you've gone and set me free. If you if you had to describe this album in three words, what would they be? Um, haunting. Mm. Um, um, magical. Mm-hmm. Decadent. Decadent. Those decadent. Them them sense them. Oh my gosh! From the vocals, like the 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 vocals that were treated so well, from the falsetto that was controlled so professionally, from the synthesizers that just hit you in all the right pockets. Oh man! And then all the man, come on! <laughs> this is this is a this is a crazy album. I think more people should know about this album, really. There, there should be like a playlist of like just creepy soulful music, like like I said, put it in a thriller. For sure, for sure. Well, you know, the next question is: we always want to leave our audience with something else to listen to next. So, you know, the next track on the playlist, so to say. Mm-hmm. Uh, Morgan, what do you what would you recommend our audience uh, check out next after this? Well, I'd stay in this vibe, but I would take it over to uh, Memphis and Stax Records and get into Ron Banks and the Dramatics, nineteen seventy three. Mm. Um, same sort of falsetto, same brothers gliding, uh, sliding over the tracks. And I would start with I Make Myself Lonely. Heavily sampled song, but one of my favorites. And go from there. I should have known we'd never stay just friends. Of the minute you leave, she'd come back. I need to be loved, look in her eye. I held back to my favorite era of Philly soul uh, predates the actual popularization of the term itself. And we're talking about Philadelphia soul in the late sixties, which is during the rise of Gamble and Huff, but before they've become the kingmakers of, of the city. And in particular, I'm thinking about the group that really brought them to fame, which is the intruders and their 1967 album, the intruders are together. Uh, and I could be wrong, but I think the string of hits that Gamble and Huff wrote and produced for that album is really what launched their entire career. Mm. And in, in hindsight, this album, 
in some ways sounds like a greatest hits compilation, even though it's a debut album, which tells you how good the intruders, you know, slew of initial 45 singles were uh, in that era, because there's so much heat Mm -hmm. on this album. Um, You know, it's all killer, no filler, as they say, Mm. Uh, though, if I had to pick one that really stands out, it's got to be the title track together, which is one of my all time favorite Mm -hmm. songs out of Philadelphia. And it's the way that that song opens with the horns is so incredible. Out here in LA, even though it's a Philly song, that is low rider classic. Oh, for right sure. oh, yeah. You will oh, still hear this bump. You know, Duckworth was telling us you live in East LA. Guaranteed you're gonna hear it together at some point somewhere on the block. <laughs> on the main street, maybe in the alleyway, I don't know, but you're gonna hear it someplace. This is definitely a main street. That's a main street one. Them horns. Yes. And everything like that. And, and, yeah. and they use I think I heard a xylophone in there. That's a main street. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what would you Duckworth, what would you recommend our audience uh, folks check out next uh, after Blue Magic? Um as far as like piano wise and, and like mood wise, uh, you got a bad girl by Stevie Wonder. Mm. That's yeah, like uh, oh man, you got a bad girl, you got a bad girl. Do 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 do. Like it's just some crazy progressions on there. Which an escape can be found, and you got it bad girl. You got it. Well, that'll do it for this episode of Heat Rocks with our special guest, Duckworth, whose who's new single, Coming Closer, just came out. Let us know what you're working on now and where can people find you in these streets? Cool. Yeah. So, like she said, uh, Coming Closer uh, just came out. Uh, it's uh, it's kind of like a... Uh, well, I guess I would say this. Uh, in my new album, uh, it's not only a celebration of Black music, whether it be R&B, house, um... Afrobeat, um, hip hop, or um, R&B. There's one more. Oh, gospel too. Um, but I wanted to put an undertone of Afrobeat at least in 50% of the album, or not just Afrobeat specifically to that region, but just like just a, a certain like just African sound. And so we like actually brought in like African drums for certain songs, or like you know what I'm saying like there's these certain like vocal chants that I did that are like very reminiscent. Of like something you hear in like Congo or Cameroon yeah. and everything. So in yeah. uh, coming closer, I said that was a mix of house, but then like with certain chants, bringing in some of that African uh, sound to it. But it's just something to check out. Uh, and then I'm also I'm working on an album. Well, I just I finished it in January, but it's an album called Super Good that's supposed to come out later August. And it's once again it's a celebration of all these different type of black music, but all in one album. Crazy enough. Mm. To everyone who listens and talks about our show, we want to thank you so much for being part of Heat Rock's community. If you've taken that extra step to become a Max Fund member, thank you so much for helping make the show possible. And please know that we are absolutely grateful for all of the support that you've given us over the years. If you haven't had a chance to become a member yet, you can do so at MaximumFun.org slash join. 
You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Oliver Wong and Morgan Rhodes. Our theme music is Crown Ones by Thess One of People Under the Stairs. Shout out to Thess for the hookup. Heat Rocks is produced by myself and Morgan, alongside Christian Duenas, who also edits, engineers, and does the booking for our shows. Our senior producer is Laura Swisher, and our executive producer is Jesse Thorne. We are part of the Maximum Fun family, taping every week live in their studios in the Westlake neighborhood of Los Angeles. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Audience supported.